Chapter Seventeen of Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Lucy Burgoyne. Campfire Girls at Twin Lakes, or The Quest of a Summer Vacation, by Stella M. Francis. Chapter Seventeen, A Day of Hard Work. That evening, Miss Ladd received the letter that Mrs. Hutchins had announced in her telegram addressed to the guardian on the train would follow that communication. She did not discuss the matter with any of the girls, but quietly passed it around until all had read it. In her letter, Mrs. Hutchins stated little that had not been read between the lines of the telegram, although her views and comments on the circumstances were interesting. She had seen Pierce Langford arrive at the station just as the train was pulling in, buy a ticket, and board the train just as it was pulling out. Curiosity stirred perhaps by the recollection that this man had recently represented interests hostile to the mission of the thirteen campfire girls and their guardian, and might still represent those interests, caused her to inquire of the agent for what point Mr. Langford had purchased his ticket. The reply was, Twin Lakes. That was sufficient. The woman asked for a telegram pad and wrote a few lines. Then she gave the message to the operator, with these directions. I want that to catch Miss Ladd in the Limited as soon as possible. Keep it going from station to station until it is delivered. Have the operator who succeeds in getting the message into Miss Ladd's hands wire back delivered as soon as she receives it. On the day following the advance excursion and inspection of the camping prospects at Stony Point, the big twin was engaged again to convey the campfire girls to the prospective camping place. On this occasion, the tents and other paraphernalia were taken aboard and conveyed to the scene of the proposed camp. The boat skirted along the shore, and careful examination was made to discover landing places that might provide access from the lake to such camping sites as might later be found. Several good landing places were found. The one they selected tentatively as a mooring for the boat was a large flat rock projection a few hundred yards north of the Graham Pier. A comparatively level shore margin extended back nearly a hundred feet from this rock to the point where the wooded incline began. The boatman and a boy of eighteen who had been engaged to assist in handling the heavier paraphernalia remained in the boat, while the girls started off in pairs to explore the nearby territory for the most advantageous and available site. They came together again half an hour later and compared notes. The result was that the report made by Marion Stanlock and Harriet Newcomb proved the most interesting. They had found a pretty nook halfway up the side of the hill shore, 
and sheltered by a bluff on the inland side and trees and bushes at either end, so that no storm short of a hurricane could seriously damage a well-constructed camp in this place. The area was considerable, quite sufficient for the pitching of the complement of tents of the fire. After all, the girls had inspected this proposed site in a body. A unanimous vote was taken in favour of its adoption. This being their decision, they returned without delay to the boat, and the work of carrying their camping outfit a distance of some three hundred yards was begun. The pilot and the boy assistant took the heavier luggage while the girls carried the lighter articles and supplies. In this manner everything was transported to the campsite in about an hour. The pilot and the boy then assisted in the work of putting up the tents, and after this was finished they were paid and dismissed. Everything went along smoothly while all this was being done, not another person appeared in sight during this period, except the occupants of several boats that motored by. The Graham cottage was about a quarter of a mile to the south and farther up on the hill, but the screen of dense foliage shut it off from view at the girls' camp. All the rest of the day was required to put the camp into good housekeeper's condition, the light folding cots had to be set up and got ready for sleeping. The kitchen tent also required much domestic art and ingenuity of the most convenient and practical arrangement, and a fireplace for cooking had to be built, with rocks brought up principally from the water's edge. So eager were they to finish all this work that they did not stop to prepare much of a luncheon. They ate hurriedly prepared sandwiches, olives, pickles, salmon, and cake, and drunk lemonade, picnic style, and kept at their camp preparation between bites, as it were. In the evening, however, they had a good campfire girls' supper prepared by Hazel Edwards, Julietta Hyde, and the Guardian. Then they sat around their fire and chatted principally about the beauty of the scenery on every hand. But they were tired girls and needed no urging to seek rest on their cots as the sun sunk behind the hills on the opposite side of the lake. The move bedward was almost simultaneous and the drift towards slumberland not far behind. They had one complete day undisturbed, with anything of a mysterious or startling nature, and it was quite a relief to find it possible to seek a night's repose after eight or nine hours of diligent work without being confronted with apprehensions of some impending danger or possible defeat of their plans. End of chapter 17